Good evening, Teach Better family. It's Brad Hughes checking in with you tonight for the Sunday weekly warm up, streaming exclusively in our private Facebook group. Teachbettergroup.com is where to get signed up and registered. Of course, later we're going to be sharing this stream out to a variety of media socials, as well as it's going to become an episode of the Teach Better Talk podcast. But for now, we're here, we're live, and we're together for a Sunday night to get ready for our important week, our exciting week, our wonderful week in education. And our guest tonight is the incredible Suzanne Daly, who herself is a podcaster, an author, an educator, and is someone who is committed to teaching better and teaching even happier. We'll be right back after the break and we'll, in, we'll, we'll welcome in Suzanne and we'll get our weekly warm up started right after this. <laughs> Welcome, 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 Teach Better family. It's Brad Hughes checking in with you. I'm in Ontario, Canada, and I am hosting the weekly warm-up. My co-host, Ray Hewart, is taking advantage of some time away in some warmer climate. San Diego, California is where Ray has been with family and friends. Is Looking forward to reconnecting with Ray again soon. But talk about connections. I'm connecting tonight with the incredible, my wonderful friend, Suzanne Daly. Suzanne, good evening, and welcome to the Sunday weekly warm-up. Hi, Brad. Thanks so much for having me. I'm seeing everybody pop up in the chat, and I'm just so happy to see everybody who's with us tonight. We're excited to welcome Debbie into the space. Carrie's with us. Livia's here. We have some other folks from Central Texas and from all over the place. Wherever you are in North America or all over the world, make sure you let us know where you are, who you are, and what's bringing you to the Sunday weekly warm-up tonight. Hit us up in the comments, Suzanne, and I would love to welcome you into our space. Suzanne, speaking of the world, where in the world are you joining us from tonight? I'm coming from a freezing cold uh, outside of Philadelphia in beautiful Bucks County, Pennsylvania, about an hour outside of Philly. Suzanne, have you and family lived in that area all your lives or have you been around? So originally, if you can see, oh, it's this way, my <laughs> Buffalo Bills helmet, originally from Buffalo, that's where you'll hear, I hit the A's really hard still. But my husband and I have lived in this area for about 20 years now. Philadelphia, what an incredible area full of history and opportunity and uh, a lot of devotion to football and baseball. Are, are you uh, and family uh, uh, sports fans as well in the Philadelphia area there, Suzanne? Well, when the Phillies were in the World Series, that was electric around here, for sure. Um, actually, one of the Teach Better presenters, Ken Ehrman, uh, he is a season ticket holder. So he actually uh, forewent, for I guess, a um, playoff game to be a Teach Better. But he was really excited and then really sad that it didn't turn out the way we wanted. But with the Eagles playing the way that they are and the Phillies in the World Series, this place has been on fire. <laughs> Suzanne, in your daily life as an educator, a podcaster, and a soon-to-be author, uh, there's lots that you have to offer. Tell us a little bit about your work and about your life as an educator and all of the great things that you do in Philadelphia area. Oh, thanks, Brad. So I am a former fourth grade teacher and reading specialist for kindergarten and third grade. So literacy is something that's really, really close to my heart. But for the last 10 years or so, I have been an instructional coach for our 15 elementary schools. So that means I'm 
I get to work with about 600 of the world's greatest oh. elementary teachers. And that translates into about 9,000 kids. So I'm teaching every day. I'm doing workshops. I'm it parts of some, some big planning for the school district and just really making sure that we're taking care of the teachers so that they can best take care of the kids in front of them. It's the greatest job. I love it so much. And like you, Suzanne, I'm deeply committed to making sure that we love and support the significant adults in kids' lives because in the end, that will result in even better outcomes for the kids that we serve. And I know that you're an important part of that support system as an instructional coach. Can, can you tell me a little bit about what excited you about that opportunity shifting from a classroom educator to instructional coach serving lots and lots of classroom educators? Yeah, so, so that's just it. Um, to think about the impact we have, and we have our own family of students, right? And it's so great. Now I'm going to weddings of former fourth graders. It's just the best. But then to know that if, if I could work alongside colleagues who could then impact their students, it's just really thrilling to imagine the potential impact by working with teachers and not directly students all the time. That impact just kind of evolves and gets bigger and bigger. And what's really wonderful is I've had an opportunity, obviously, to work closely with my colleagues in my school district, but over the past few years, get to expand that a little bit to work with teachers in other school districts as well. And so it's really wild. The passion is the same. The sense of purpose is the same, but the concerns are the same. The stress is the same. Um, and so it's just really interesting to try and meet folks where they are and honor that teacher both in and outside of the classroom so that they can show up for kids as best as they can, for sure. Suzanne, uh, teachers and educators need folks like you who meet them where they are and are ready to serve with empathy. How has empathy been part of your approach to serving and helping classroom teachers take those next important steps for their kids? Well, it's a really good question. To be empathetic means you come from a place of compassion and understanding. And so as a coach, it's so important to still be boots on the ground, to still be teaching and working with our evolving students and to understand that what may have, might, what may have worked 10 years ago probably won't work right now, um, but that's okay. And that's to be honored and accepted and then work together to discern our next right thing for kids. It changes so often, which can be scary, but it can also be really thrilling and exciting depending on our perspective we take towards those challenges. Suzanne, part of your daily commitment, not only in and out of classrooms, but is to create a community that you've called Teach Happier, Teach Happier. Tell us about Teach Happier and, and what that means to you and what bring what value it brings to your role and, and to your work in education. So, Brad, I don't know if you know this, but after the first Teach Better conference, I was chatting with Ray and she said, um, all right, Suzanne, well, what do you want to do next? I said to her, I said, I want Teach Better to have a baby and I want to name that baby Teach Happier. And she's like, <laughs> okay. I think maybe we can we can work together and make that happen. So in that very weird way, it is, um, you know, teaching happier doesn't mean just tra-la-la, you know, sunshine and rainbows, high knees. That's just not realistic in our line of work. Our work is so human that it can never always be that happy. But to understand and recognize what's within our realm of influence and control and to understand as rational optimists, Right. Like calling it out when something's really hard, but then understanding 
where in that hard is there a little flexibility and movement for us to move through those times, move through those seasons. And remember, seasons always have a beginning and an end, right? And so Teach Happier is just that. It's what are those really small shifts in our thoughts, in our language, in our actions that can help us navigate times when things are going relatively well, but also honoring the seasons when things are just hard, either professionally or personally. Because as we said earlier, our work is so human. When things are hard in our other roles as parents or partners or friends or siblings, whatever all of our different roles are, that impacts how we show up for kids in our classrooms, undoubtedly. And so to honor both of those worlds and to understand where we have a little bit of realm of influence and control. I see Neil on here and he and I love the idea of being a part of our own rescue, just like whitewater rafters, right? You get flung off the side, you got to figure out what's your next right thing. Well, in life, we're going to get thrown off the side, metaphorically speaking, right? So what is our next thing to say? What's our next thing to do? Or what's our next thing to think? That all belongs to us. That's an inside job, which is really quite thrilling when you think about it, because some stuff that comes at us, we can't control, certainly. And recognizing that's important, but it's even more important to recognize where we can influence those moments a whole lot more. And science tells us we can do it. That's pretty exciting. It's so exciting, and I'm I'm really excited to be in this raft together with you tonight, Suzanne Daly. We are on a voyage of discovery towards teaching happier and happier, and I hope that you and I can dive into discussion right off right, right off that raft right after this quick break. Okay, we'll be right back. Sounds great. Teach Better family, good evening. You're with the Sunday Weekly Warm-Up with Brad Hughes and my guest, Suzanne Daly, author, educator, consultant, podcaster, and creator of the Teach Happier Network. Suzanne Daly, I would love you to tell us a little bit about the Teach Happier podcast and dig a little deeper with us into how you created it, what it means, and, and how you're helping people shift their thinking to get ready for the best week in education possible. So would you believe, Brad, that it all started at Teach Better 19? Because it did. So <laughs> I know it's so wild. It's so ridiculous. It's absurd. Um, Adam Welcome was a keynote speaker at Teach Better 19. And we were at a networking event on the second day. And earlier that day, like we went running with the whole group. I was the slowest person, but we all went running. And he said, all right, Suzanne, like, what's your next thing? And I said, oh, gosh, Adam, I would really love to write a book. And Adam said, well, I don't think a book is your next thing. Um, and he said, I think you should do a podcast. Yeah. I said, Adam, I don't, I don't know anything about doing a podcast. I listen to them. I love them, but I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. He says, give me your phone. So I, I mean, when Adam welcome tells you to give, you, you give it to him. So I handed it over yeah. and he downloaded an app for me. And he said, all right, here's what you're going to do. This is no risk. You make a couple of episodes and no one listens. All right. But if you make a couple of episodes and people listen, well, that's that's great. So this is no risk. So I'm giving you one month and you're going to make this podcast and I'm going to hold you to it. OK, Adam, welcome. <laughs> so came home from the conference. I was all jazzed. I had all these creative ideas. But 
at the time, my mom was really, really sick with Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And it was just the, that sandwich generation of my kids needed me, my parents needed me. I just didn't have the bandwidth for it, so I didn't do it. Um, but then Adam calls, lo and behold, a month later, said, where is it? I said, it is nowhere. He said, I'm giving you one more month. And so that little push from somebody I really respect and admire um, sat down and I, I wrote out the first podcast episode that came out in December 2020. It was titled Act the Way You Want to Feel. And um, it's just me in the floor of my closet recording on my phone. I sent it out. It got some nice feedback. And it's wild, Brad, because there are people in almost 40 countries mm -hmm. listening to this podcast. And that that's not saying much about Suzanne Daly. It's actually saying so much about educators all over the world. Like we need some of these tools and there's lots of self-care out there. There's a lot of positive psychology out there, but very little is specifically for us in education. And so I saw that little window, took some of the feedback for the podcast, and now it's in season three. Here's the thing, Suzanne. I don't know where you get your surveillance technology or or it maybe we're psychically <laughs> linked, but but you have a gift for delivering to me every week the wisdom and the reassurance and the encouragement that I need for my week ahead in education. And I don't know how you do it, but it always seems to resonate with me and give me that little lift and that little gift. And it, it's about five minutes long. And so you pack mm -hmm. so much impact and so much influence into such a short time. H has the podcast always been that little burst of Teach Happier or was it, how did the format change if at all? Well, it hasn't changed, um, but I think that's part of the secret is I, I have podcasts a mile long, right, that I love to listen to, but sometimes I'll get in my car and say, ooh, I don't have 45 minutes or an hour to commit right now. Mm -hmm. So part of the purpose to combat those Sunday scaries, as we do here on the weekly warm-up, is just five minutes to get in a good headspace or heart space. I think that makes it pretty accessible for folks. They know if it's, if it's great, it's time well spent. If they're if they don't love it, it's only five minutes. <laughs> you know, it's you're in a long red light, and you've listened to the episode. But I think that that's that's part of the appeal, and I think that's what makes it uh, rather unique. I don't know of many other podcasts that are that short, um, but I'm glad that you find it impactful in that short amount of time. Oh, it's so impactful, and and the 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 fact that it's short uh, does not minimize the impact that it has, and. Something I really admire about it too, Suzanne, is that even just talking with you tonight and, and having the opportunity to have met and spoken with you in person, I, I feel your heart energy when you communicate about your passion for education. And I also hear and feel, deeply feel the empathy that you have for educators. And as you said, to help, help us get into the, into the right headspace and heart space, because it, teaching is a work of heart. We, we reach kids and we reach uh, the, the folks we work with through our interactions and through the heart. And and I'm, I'm wondering if you've always felt that you've been a heart-led educator or has there been, was there a shift in, in your heartfulness in, in the way that you began to lead with love greater and greater? Oh, that's such a good question. And when you say heart-led educator, there's our Liv, right? She's in here on the, on the, in the chat, but yes, that's, I feel like I've always been that way. Mm -hmm. I think the pandemic really, anchored that work uh, to lead with our hearts because for a while there, there was so much unknown. There was so much in the air that that was the one true thing that we fiercely loved and cared for our students 
each other. And that really brought us closer together than anything I've ever experienced before. Um, and I actually took an idea from uh, Ray and Chad and Jeff to do a family meeting. They would do uh, wow. teach better family meetings. So during the pandemic, we had every Wednesday night, uh, teachers in our school district had a, like a Twitter chat family meeting. Oh. And it just made our 23 schools just feel a little bit more together and connected to our hearts since we couldn't see each other. And I think that's been a real beautiful byproduct of this coming back together and understanding that we can lead with our hearts amidst all the noise. Suzanne, when, when you think about the Sunday scaries and we think about, you know, anyone's heart-led work in education or whatever walk of life they're in, you know, you make that shift between Sunday noon, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, and you get the butterflies, you may get some nervous anticipation, you, you may get some anxious anticipation about the week ahead. I, I'm wondering if you, I wonder if you, if you found that producing the Teach Happier podcast has actually helped you to frame your own weeks and your own adventures in education more positively. Oh, certainly. It, last week, I, I think I, I quoted somebody, I forget who, I did say it in the podcast, though, that said, like, we teach and write the things that we need to hear and learn. And so, you know, I think about the last two years of my personal and professional life has been really hard, especially personally, with losing my mom and navigating some things with a neurodiverse child. Um, I've never needed to hear these lessons more. And so what often happens is folks listen to the podcast on their way to work on Monday. And so I've started to do the same thing. And it does just kind of center me and anchor me and help mm -hmm. me be a little more present throughout the days because our days are all busy as educators, right? We can certainly let the tasks trump all the other things that we're feeling and our purpose that while we're showing up every single day. Suzanne, in addition to, you know, maybe tuning into the Teach Happier podcast every Monday and getting into the right headspace and heart space for the week ahead. And you, you described it's for every important role in education. And I'm wondering if you can think of one, two, or maybe even three sort of practical tips that you have. Maybe someone is facing a week of challenges ahead, or maybe someone is having a little bit of a lack of confidence in, in, in what they can offer in the week ahead, given, you know, the circumstances we're teaching in. And I'm just wondering if you've got any key reminders to help people bolster their confidence and help people to just restore that confidence and that headspace and heart space for them. Yeah. So three quick, easy things. Um, the first would be the superpower of, of positive psychology, which is gratitude. And that's something mm. that we focused in on all of November, right. For the month of Thanksgiving. And so, how can you very overtly share that thanks for the people who support you, the people who love you, uh, both at work and at home as well? Uh, so gratitude is number one. And Brad, did you know that if you prioritize gratitude as a very habitual practice, it can permanently increase your happiness baseline. We all have happiness baselines. Gratitude can permanently increase where it's almost like your resting heart rate. You have a resting happy rate, um, which is really exciting. But if you, so gratitude's number one. Number two would be if you're looking for a really fast, almost like a happiness bump, right? Like you're feeling down and you need a little surcharge of something an intentional or conscious act of kindness is what you do, right? And oftentimes we think of a random act of kindness as buying coffee for the person behind us or holding the door for somebody. But when you think about it, those are really intentional, conscious acts 
that we choose to do. And so what that tells our brain is when we understand it's not random, it's really purposeful and deliberate. It's causing a pattern in our brain to say, if you put out happiness and positivity into the world in the past, you could do it in the future. And so it's fascinating because let's say, Brad, I buy you coffee behind me. Wouldn't that be nice? So you're happy for the coffee. I'm happy because I know that I'm making you happy. But the third layer of this, and I learned this from Rob Dunlop is, Anybody who witnesses that conscious act of kindness actually becomes happier too. Isn't that wild? I just learned that this summer. So number one is gratitude. Number two is conscious acts of kindness. And number three would be strengthening your social relationships. So positive psychologists say 100% of happy people, 100% of happy people have the same thing in common. And that is strong social relationships with a diverse group of people, right? Diverse backgrounds, diverse thoughts, diverse experiences, but they, they work hard to nurture and strengthen those relationships. So those are the three things you can do it on a big level, but you know me, Brad, I'm looking for an underwhelming small level of how we can strengthen our relationships, be a little more grateful and put positive energy into the world through acts of kindness. Suzanne, whenever I hear you on your podcast, welcome your listeners into a delightfully underwhelming experience. I just laugh out loud and it it just tickles me. Tell me how you hit upon that idea of reassuring listeners that they'd be prepared for an underwhelming experience. Well, isn't the worst feeling overwhelmed? Like, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed. I can't, right? When you're just flooded with so much. So I'm like, well, the opposite of overwhelmed is underwhelmed. And it's really interesting. When I wrote that in the book, um, the publisher, my editor said like, I don't know, Suzanne, that kind of gives a negative connotation. And I can understand how that could be perceived through print. But when you hear us say like, no, 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 I want you to be underwhelmed. I don't want you to walk away with another to do. I don't want your shoulders up. I want shoulders down. Okay, I can do this. I mean, let's hear it for being underwhelmed, right? 100%. And you, know, you just mentioned your upcoming book. Can you, can you tell us about the book? I believe it drops January the 4th. What an incredible, incredible gift and what an incredible process you've been on, you know, changing your practice and capturing your practice in writing. Tell us about how that's going. Oh, so it's so great. Thank you. It's a, here, it's not, I could, this is as good as I can do right now. Look, at, there's the cover. <laughs> Isn't that cute? Um, Love it. So it's called Teach Happier This School Year, 40 Weeks of Inspiration and Reflection. And so the way that the book is organized is at the very beginning and the very end, we do a deep reflection of how are we? How's our headspace? How's our heart space? What's working well for us? What's not working well for us? And then for the 40 weeks is the school year. So you have 10 weeks at a time for four like marking periods, if you will. And so in those 10 weeks, it's it's really meant to, again, for your Sunday scary Sunday night, read a little story, create a little goal, and then think about that goal as you move through your week. And then at the end of every 10 weeks is a little report card, just as we do in our students. We do one for ourselves where we really take some time to do some introspective reflections and saying like, all right, what did I learn in those 10 weeks? What did I start doing that's really making a positive impact? Maybe what did I not have the bandwidth for when I read it? It sounded great, but I didn't have the space to to apply it that I want to make some space for. Um, And so it's just, you know, at the beginning of the year when we're rested and optimistic and we have our clothes laid out, 
you know, we recognize where we are in our headspace. And then like this time of year when we're like, we're all getting colds and it's, we're all in the routine, you know, that's recognized too, because our school years, you know, it's ebbing and flowing just all day, all day long. Right. So I honor that, that time of the school year that we're in. And then what's really great too, I just saw Hannah say she was going to share some ideas with her team. We've also put in a few lessons for teachers to use. So for example, the, the one about a conscious act of kindness, there is a lesson to help kids understand the science behind conscious acts of kindness, having some discussion prompts, and then having them set a goal as well. So it's a little bit of everything, but it's organized in a school year because let's face it, since we've been five years old, that's how we've been living our lives from <laughs> September to June, right? So that's right. That's how the book is designed. Yeah. <laughs> Suzanne, I know about the power of journaling, and you mentioned earlier in our discussion that that we are we are changed both creatively and emotionally and cognitively through these creative processes. Have you, as a writer, discovered the power of journaling, or are you leveraging your gifts as a writer to continue to feed your own positivity and your own approach to education? You're coming with the good questions, Brad. Uh, one of my favorite authors, which I could say about a thousand people, his name is Ralph Fletcher. He's a, he mm-hmm. writes for children, but he also writes for teachers too. One of my favorite quotes, and I share this with my students all the time, is writers don't live an extraordinary life. They just look at life in an extraordinary way. And mm-hmm. so when writing this book or creating these podcasts, I'm always reading and writing and listening and observing very presently, because I'm trying to scan to see like, ooh, 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 what could be here that could be turned into a podcast episode, a lesson for kids, a blog for Teach Better that somebody else could possibly find meaning with. So if anything, it's just allowed me to be much more present, which I think is one of the greatest gifts that we can choose because that is a choice, right? How either mindless or autopilot we are on some days, but then when we can navigate our days presently and consciously, it just increases all of our interactions, our experiences in such a, a more, um, I don't know, it, they're just, it, they're brighter, right? Like it's its like black and white versus all in color. Mm. And if we've all got to navigate our days, right? So if, if we can navigate them feeling as much as we can and seeing as much as we can see, I can find no better way to move through those days, right? You know, moving through our days gently and giving ourselves and the people we care for permission to move through gently with us. It, it, it's part of our approach uh, at Teach Better and I know at Teach Happier too. Striving for progress, Suzanne, striving for progress rather than perfection. Let's face it, we get in huge emotional jam ups of, as educators trying to predict what's going to happen and trying to make sure we're prepared for every eventuality so things are just perfect. Why don't we take a quick break and then Suzanne, if you could, let's dig into your approaches and your mindset that helps you to strive for progress, not perfection. Sound good? Sounds great. See you on the flip side. Welcome back to the Sunday Weekly Warm-Up, every Sunday exclusively on the Teach Better group at Facebook. And later, we're going to be streaming out to our socials, and this will magically be turned into, Suzanne, an episode of the Teach Better Talk podcast. 
we are having a wonderful time. Suzanne, there have been incredible mic drop moments. I've got to watch where I step because there's like microphones all over the place oh. here. It's been incredible conversation. <laughs> we're, we're with Suzanne Daly, educator, consultant, uh, blogger, author, and podcaster, creator of Peach Happier. And, and we're shifting our conversation to really an approach, Suzanne, that, that you try to prepare your listeners and readers for each and every week. And that is getting in the red, right headspace and heart space and navigating gently through life as an educator, uh, navigating towards progress rather than perfection. How do you maintain an optimistic mindset that helps you to do that? So it goes back to something I'm sure we've all heard as students, and we may have also said as teachers, keep your eyes on your own paper. Okay? Because <laughs> the minute we don't, the minute we start comparing our successes, our students, our families, our accolades to anybody else's is where we think our progress isn't progress, but it is progress based on our, our journey, right? And so I have to remind myself of that often, Brad, and I'll catch myself scrolling and I'll stop and I'll realize like something isn't sitting well with me. Uh-uh-uh. Keep your eyes on your own paper, Suzanne. They're bright and shiny, whatever it is, does not is not a reflection on your stuff, right? But that takes practice. That takes deliberate practice and small shifts in our thoughts, right? That's a two-degree shift that over time makes a huge difference. Keep your eyes on your own paper. <laughs> Liv writes, great advice and, and compare you to you. You know, remind ourselves that as we walk gently into our week ahead as educators or as we navigate whatever important role we have, I know Livia Chan would say we are the irreplaceable ingredient or the irreplaceable element in any interaction. And we bring value to each interaction and to each you know, cooperative act that we have, whether it's with kids or with educators. And Suzanne, do you find that kids, the, the, the students that you serve, get into these emotional jam ups around needing to be perfect or ideal and and are there are there antidotes that we as educators can can do to to reassure kids that we just want them to be themselves gently in each moment well of course right and i think that that is such a gift that we're able to provide for our students i would have loved as a, you know in my formative years to hear about positive psychology right and to understand that i would want someone to tell me like the metaphor be a part of your own rescue, keep your eyes on your own paper. This is an inside job, progress over perfection. I didn't get those messages in school. I, I certainly got them at home, but I didn't get them at school. And mm -hmm. so as we are empowered as educators, then we have the opportunity, not only in our morning meetings in our classroom, but also around our dining room tables at home to share some of this information that we're learning from neuroscientists and positive psychologists. There's just so many brilliant people out there sharing their work in such accessible ways right now that as we can get better, we can help those around us get better in our heads and our hearts. And I just can't imagine a greater gift to give to the world. Suzanne, when you speak with teachers that you're uh, coaching or consulting with, mm -hmm. what are you hearing from them are among their biggest stressors or worries in terms of meeting the needs of their students, but maybe even meeting their own expectations as educators? And, and how do you soothe and reassure them that they've got this? Well, the first thing I do is I celebrate their stress, which sounds crazy, but 
that just shows how much we care, mm -hmm. right? If we weren't stressed out and worried about it, then we wouldn't really be caring about it. But that just shows that steadfast connection we have to our students. So first, I thank them. Thank you for your stress and worry. Like this shows me you are right where you need to be. Your heart is right where you need to be. But I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, Brad, like things we in our toolbox 10 years ago are not working right now. And so sometimes we think like, my gosh, what's wrong with my toolbox? What's wrong with me? It's not that. It's we just need to learn a few other things to try with our students as they are. They have changed so much in these past few years. And some would say it's for the better. Some would say it's for the worse. I'd say it's someplace in the middle. I think we have such a beautiful group of empathetic, compassionate, inclusive kids right now mm -hmm. that want to connect with others who might think differently, look differently, act differently. There's such a collective compassion, I guess I would say, yep. that I've, I've never seen at this level before. So how do we capitalize on that collective compassion and then also help kind of fold in some of those instructional strategies so that we're still meeting them where they are, but we're also moving them forward. We might not be able to do it the same way or at the same speed, but we certainly can move them forward. It just might look a little bit differently. So we keep our eyes on our own paper. We look at our students how we are handling them, right? Not what's happening across the hallway, you know, not what's happening in the other wing, but we're focusing on our classroom family and figuring out what works and what's our next right thing with our kids. Suzanne, when you're working with educators as a consultant or when you're doing your own practice with students, are, are you and educators finding ways to leverage student voice to, to keep programming and to keep engagement moving forward? Absolutely. Yes. And a lot of that comes down to just understanding the kid behind the student, the mm. person behind the student. Um, I, I see our students as readers and writers, but I also see them as eight-year-olds. And what do they love? How are they motivated? How are they affirmed? So again, this is right up Liv's alley, right? Once we can figure out two things, how are kids motivated and there's only four ways like human beings are motivated, right? Is it, okay. do they need purpose, autonomy, mastery, or belonging, right? So mm -hmm. how are they motivated? And if you're wondering like, well, how do I tell? Where, what questions do they ask and what are they complaining about is how you'll figure out. Are they, do uh -huh. they just want to do something right? That's mastery. Are they understanding why they're doing something? Purpose. Um, do they want to see the choice? That's autonomy. And finally, who's going to help them? That's belonging. That works with adults, too. So when you can figure out your colleagues, your administration, what motivates them, there's your entry point, right? So what motivates our kids and then what affirms them? How do they feel validated? And so my my go to for that is our is our five love languages, right? Or do they okay. do they need words of affirmation? Do they need acts of service? Like what is it that are going to make them feel seen and valued and heard? Um, so I should say the four motivation things. That's a Robin Jackson. Uh, I, I learned that from Robin Jackson. I don't want to take credit for that, but I use that every single day because uh, it's going to be different for everybody when we see the kid behind the student. Suzanne, your toolbox is impressive. It it really is incredible, and I, I can just really, I just just imagine you know educators and kids in your presence just being inspired and reassured. And uh, this is the way I feel when I listen to the Teach Happier podcast. This is the way I feel when we just have a conversation, both inspired 
and reassured. I know that viewers and listeners are going to want to stay in close touch with you, Suzanne. What are some of the best ways that folks can follow or learn more about your work? So the best way, there's a few ways. Um, my website is SuzanneDaily.com. So the podcasts are there, the Teach Better blogs are there, the lessons, it, whenever there's a lesson that corresponds with the podcast episode, episode, that's there. The book stuff's there. So SuzanneDaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Daily Suzanne. And then we also have a Facebook, I say we, it's me right in this room. Um, <laughs> we have a uh, Facebook page and Instagram page called Teach Happier. And can I show you something wildly cool? 100%. And I don't know if this is going to come out backwards. Do you see that says Teach Happier? Sure do. Look at this. It's a book. It's like a regular book. But it's, wait, you have to see this. It's so wild. It's the way that the pages are folded. Yep. Do you see that? Yep. And then when it closes up, look what it says. Teach happier. Teach happier. Isn't that Incredible. wild? Incredible. I know. I told I'm my glad I'm glad you consider yourself a we because I mean we are I mean you you have you are creating and you are energizing a community of educators bringing people together uh, to teach happier and uh, a huge and valuable part of our teach better family Suzanne Daly what what is lighting you up about your week ahead in education Suzanne Ooh, this week, what's lighting me up? I have been working with a, a a group of students where their first language is Russian, and they have come to, with us. So they have a new teacher. I work a lot with our new teachers, and so we've been working together with this amazing group of students. And it's really wild, Brett. I don't speak Russian mm -hmm. or Ukrainian. Um, and they speak very limited English, these students. So the way to connect with these students is all heart. And all, it's so human that it is so difficult uh, because it's a brand new challenge for uh, the teacher and I. But that challenge, because it's anchored in such humanity, is really lighting me up. I'm so glad you asked me about that because that's happening Tuesday and that makes me happy. <laughs> Suzanne, I hope that everyone watching or listening just takes a moment to reflect on what is lighting them up, what opportunities that are disguised as challenges or obstacles might be ahead in the week. And Suzanne, you've really helped energize me and energize our audience tonight with a look ahead to be in the right headspace and heart space for whatever our important roles are in education the week ahead. Suzanne Daly, I am so grateful that we had the, the chance to connect and I can't wait to stay connected with you and congratulations on all that you're doing. I look forward to having your book in my hands January 4th. We can pre-order it soon. And uh, Suzanne Daly, thank you so much for joining us tonight on the Sunday Weekly Warm-Up. Thanks, Brad. Thanks everyone for joining us. We'll look ahead to next week and we'll look forward to seeing you again for the Sunday Weekly Warm-Up in one week's time. We hope you have a wonderful week in education. Have a wonderful evening. Take care.